Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Then there's some gangbanger out there that's like, no, I'm repping my blue, and I'll fight for my blue, die for my blue. I'm representing Jesus. I can't be bending and folding. When I move over here and it's like, I'm not gonna bend and fold for you. This is everything to me, everything to me. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus. That's my savior, he died for me. No one else did for me what he did for me. I don't love anybody more than I love him. No system, no group, no religion, no privilege, nothing. Him above everything else. In today's message, Pastor Bill reminds you that God is above everything in your life. Sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves that we forget who should be at the center of our world. When you invite God into your life and let Him guide you down His path, the small things in your life seem trivial. That's why today, Pastor Bill tells you to have a heavenly mind. When you replace those false idols with God and let Him guide you, God will live through you to reach other people. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 17 as he continues his message, The Scarlet Harlot. Revelation said it's going to get worse before it ends. Doesn't really matter what your persuasion is. We had four years of of Democratic leadership. Now we have Republican leadership. It's not been good either way. As long as man is governing man, no matter what team they're on, they don't, these, it doesn't matter who the man is that's leading, right? You got sinners governing sinners. It's not going to be good. When is it going to finally be good? When Jesus Christ rules and reigns. So to trust or to believe in your heart, to be possessed with the idea that if we could just get this, it would all be better. You're believing in something that's, that's not going to be true. It's not going to be true. If the church was as enthused to say, because this is what would really change the world. If we just were about our business of preaching the gospel and someone's getting born again one heart at a time, that's what changes the world. When a person is changed in their heart through the gospel, they're changed from the inside out. They will not be the same. It's a slower process, right? It requires faith and, and you get a lot of no's along the way. But that is God's remedy to the brokenness in the world. Everybody won't receive it, but those that do, they will be transformed from the inside out, right? Some of you guys are sitting here and that's what God did in your life. You aren't what you used to be because you got born again. I'm not what I used to be because I got born again, right? In 92, when we had the LA riots, guess what I was doing? I was rioting. <laughs> I wasn't saved yet. You know, I'm going to give me some free stuff. I wasn't even worried about Rodney King. I was, I was getting camcorders and record shops and so forth and so on. I was doing that. Right. Fast forward to 2000 and where we at? Yeah. Uh, now we got rides again. Where was I at? I was up praying. Lord, Lord, change hearts. Lord, do. I'm not I wasn't out there doing that. Right. I'm not the same guy. I'm not who I used to be. That's That's what God will do in a person's heart and life. God will change us from the inside out. The church has to believe that, preach that, live that. um, And and it should be represented in what we say, how we feel, everything. So um, these systems, and I'm making the point, these systems are alive and well today. We got to be careful that we we see them, we acknowledge them, but we're not caught up in them. Uh, Because it it is a bad thing when the church is caught up in this web because this is not going in a good direction and we'll see as we continue. Um, and so I will show you the judgment of the, the great harlot. Again, that's uh, that's this Babylonian system who sits on many waters. The many waters represents people, uh, people from every tribe and tongue. It'll tell us later on in the chapter, uh, the waters represent many different peoples. And so um, people are impacted by these systems. Verse two, 
with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So the kings of the earth represent world leaders. Um, and so when you think about fornication and I'm, I'll be really nice uh, Sunday morning, nice fornication is a illicit, illegitimate oneness. Amen. Because uh, in marriage, yeah, you're supposed to come together. So it's actually commanded. You must. But as an unmarried person, it is illegitimate. It is sinful. It, it is a, it is an illegitimate oneness. So what the scripture says here is that the kings of the earth, these are the leaders, the kings. This will be the political leaders, those that are in charge of nations and so forth and so on. We don't have kings like they had in the Old Testament, but we have men and people that lead nations. The leaders of nations, they're having illicit oneness, illegitimate oneness. With this Babylonian system, they're influenced by it. And then in turn, it says the inhabitants of the earth are made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So as the leaders are affected, that's our political leaders, then they affect the people underneath them. That'd be us. We're the inhabitants of the earth. Y'all see how it works? That's how the system works. And, And we'll see in just a moment that Satan is at the helm leading it. So when I read this, it just makes me, I'm like, man, I'm already a very, I'm a skeptical person. I don't trust people easily um, because where I come from and what I've experienced and what I've seen and what I used to be. So um, I just do, you don't just get trusted on GP with me. It's like, everybody get a tryout, but I don't just, I don't meet you and just say, I just trust everybody. I don't, it's not how I'm wired. So I feel that way when I see people in charge, I'm always looking and thinking, I want to know what's their angle. Like, what are they trying to get at? What are they trying to do? You know, um, anybody that knows me well, you know, I hate salesmen. Right. And, and don't get if you're selling, if you're a salesman here, don't get mad. I'm sorry. I, I don't hate you. But but this is why. Right. This is my thing. When a salesman is talking to me um, many times, they they got to talk to me like the, like this is for my best interest. But I know it's really for theirs. So and my mind sees the manipulation like, no, you're trying to get a commission. But you're like, oh, this would be the best car for you. Now, look how little that car is, how big I am. You lying, man. You know, I ain't actually for an economy car, you know, I need something big. But, uh, you know, so I struggle with that sort of thing, you know, because I'm like, you sound like you're trying to help me out. But in my mind, I know that this is how you make a living. So you're really helping yourself out. I, too, am a salesman of sorts. So uh, don't be offended. But. But I struggle with that when I'm like, it's not all the way genuine. You're not 100% trying to help me out, but you sound like you are. When I look at politicians, when I look at world leaders, when I look, everybody has an angle. Everybody has something they're trying to accomplish. And we have to be wise. We have to investigate that if we're going to listen. Just listen to this. The one person that speaks to you when it is pure, it is purely for your benefit, is when the Lord speaks to you. Right? God, When God is speaking to you, it is for you. Everything Jesus has ever done is for you. He died for you. He, when he gives commands, it's not for him. It's for you. He wants you to be okay. God says, look, don't fornicate if you're single. That's not for him. That's for you. Because anybody that lived a fornicate, you know there's heartbreak and devastation and there's all kind of junk that comes. God says, I would spare you that, son, daughter, because he loves us. When God says, don't be drunk, that's not for him. That's for you. Everything he tells us to do is for us because he loves us genuinely it's, I mean, it's, it's for us all the way to the very end, wanting to save us, set us apart, keep us pure, keep us holy. When God says, look, I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to be intimate and be close with me. That's not just for him. That's for you. It's the best thing for you is to be close to him. Amen. No one has as pure motive for you as the Lord. Everybody else you should be somewhat skeptical of. 
Everyone else, you should ask questions. You should compare it with the word. You should scrutinize it. You have every right to do so. And so, again, the inhabitants of the earth are made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so, again, you have world leaders that are impacted, um, influenced, that are influencing the inhabitants of the earth. And they're drunk with the wine of her fornication. Verse three says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And so John is getting all this revelation. He's carried away in the spirit into the wilderness. He says, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And so this is a a really ugly picture. The scarlet beast, the the woman is sitting on. So she's in a a dominant position. This Babylonian system is is riding on um, this scarlet beast. And we'll see more on this scarlet beast in just a moment. And, um, but as she's riding on this scarlet beast, it says, um, it was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. And so the, the beast scene here is the antichrist. So we know that this, this Babylonian system is supported by the antichrist. And when it says that the written all over the, it was full of names of Blasphemy. I just want you to consider for a moment what that what that would represent, what that would look like. Blasphemy is just is speaking down the Lord. It's not this is not something that's benign. Like there's some things that are like I'm not for Christ, I'm not against Christ. I'm just kind of whatever. This is actually all against Christ. There's names full of blasphemy all over um, different forms and different ways. And this is what I want you to consider. None of us are the devil. Right. But the devil's been around since the beginning. He's been here for a long time. Um, he's fallen. He fell a long time ago. He's been concocting his plans for a long time. He hates everything God loves. He wants to destroy everything God wants to build. Um, he would he hates the fact that people get saved um, and now we're snatched out of his power. We belong to the Lord. I uh, can't take your salvation away. He would love to make you impotent and powerless and ruin your witness. He'd love to keep those that aren't yet saved from getting saved. And that's that's the work that the enemy does. Satan is like the person at the pool party that, you know, when I was doing youth ministry, always I would see a group of boys come in to throw me into the pool. Everybody, when you're the youth pastor, everybody wants to throw you in the pool at the pool party. So I would just be prepared. You know, I, would, I wouldn't keep a phone on me. And then whenever I saw kids coming, um, my job was I'm going to grab as many kids. I'm never going down alone. I'm taking as many down with me as possible. That's Satan's position. He knows his day is coming. He knows hell is the final destination, but he is moving to take as many people with him as he can. And he uses everything at his disposal. Right now, the Bible says in Ephesians, Satan is a prince and power of the air. So he is at work in our world, in our world systems, in our government. Everyone get this, get this. If God is not your father through your relationship with Jesus Christ, then the Bible says Satan is your daddy. John 8, 44, Jesus said to a group of religious people that were not saved, you are of your father, the devil. He has access to him. Uh, whatever he wants to do, Satan has access to those that do not yet know the Lord. So be careful how much weight you give to the words of people that are speaking and they don't know God. Right. I had somebody, a pastor, send me a video of someone, some political thing that he liked. And I just said, bro, that's a child of the devil. Why you send me that? Like why, why, why I will not be influenced by that. This person does not belong to the Lord and they have an agenda. They have a, they have a political agenda. They have a reason for saying what they're saying. They don't know God. I could care less. Read your Bible. 
Send me a verse. Send me a sermon. Send me a song inspired. Don't send me that. I don't want to hear it. You know, I, that's me. I am weary of that sort of thing because people have a lot to say. But it's like, who's that's how I think. Who's motivating you to say that? Why are you saying what you're saying? You ain't saved. It's not because God is not moving upon your heart to say these things. Um, but somebody is moving upon you. There's some reason why you feel passionate about this thing that you're passionate about. Be careful, you guys. Be careful with this. I will say this one as well, because it's it's a thing right now. Um, like right now, with everything going on and people dying in the streets and cops and this and that and the other, there's a there's a Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it's a movement, right? But when you look into the movement, this movement is started by two gay women that are feminists that have an agenda to undo traditional marriage. It is 100% opposed to everything we stand for believing as Christians. So as a Christian, while I do believe black lives matter, I'm having a black life and I have black kids, so how could I not, and a black wife, right? How could I not believe that our lives matter? But I could never stand, I could not be a part of that movement. I could not espouse that move. This completely opposed to Christ. I'm a Christian first. And that's how we have to walk and live and believe. And I'm a Christian. When I die, I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. I'm a Christian before I'm a man. I'm a Christian before I'm black. Christ over everything. It's got to be the way we think or else somebody can say, I'm going to tap into something you do care. You black? I got something for you, black man. Espouse this. But it's opposed to Christ. Now I'm team. I'm already on team Jesus. How, I can't be on team black lives, gay folks and everybody else. I can't be on that team. I'm on team Jesus. Amen. So we have to be careful because if we're not wise as believers, that kind of stuff is nonstop coming our way. And people will find something that you're for, something that you're about, um, something that you relate to. And, and next thing you know, you tapped into a group that is opposing Jesus. Don't believe anything else that you believe in. Um, I got one thing in common with the group and nothing else. I can't be part of that group. I got to find it in the church. And if I can't find answers in the church, we got to do church better. But I believe that we'll find everything we need in Jesus. Everything we need, answers, direction, power, all here, all in him. And so, um, so moving on, it says the woman was, verse four, um, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned in gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And so we see that um, as you look at the items here, the purple and scarlet, these are in that culture, in that time, these would have represented wealth. And so um, this represents the, the wealth of that system uh, that's been established, adorned with gold and precious stones and, and pearls. And so it's, it's affluent. Um, there's money. It, it speaks of materialism. And again, something else is as we're we're getting a glimpse into the fallen system of the end of the age. Um, it's religiously warped. It's politically possessed. It's materialistically rich. Right. All the things that. In America, we're tell, that's all the things we tell our kids. Johnny, what do you want to be? You should be a doctor and a lawyer. Why? So you can have lots of money. Why? So you can have stuff and not be poor. Yeah, that's the American ideal that we push out on their kids um, to get to have, just to get and have. I'm not mad at people that get have. You smart and God has blessed you with brains and you feel called to do something great for God in an industry where you're going to make money. Praise God. Honor God. God needs, God needs representation everywhere, Right. But don't just go do something because you think it's going to make a lot of money. You belong to the Lord. You got to every I believe every Christian has to say, God, what do you want me to be? What do you want to do with my life? What have you called me to do? Um, what do you want me to be that I, that I can't be motivated and driven by the desire for stuff? That can't be my my preoccupation that I'm doing 
what I do for stuff. I got to do what I do because I'm led by God, directed by the Lord, and and I'm letting him be Lord of my life. And for some of us, God may direct us in a way where we're not we're going to have less stuff in order to accomplish God's will. We see that in scripture. Right. Moses was living large. And as the daughter of Pharaoh, you know, had took him in. Um, he was living large. He had he had a silver spoon. He had everything he wanted. He says he left that knowing that believing that God has something else for him. He left wealth in order to go pursue the call of God. And so we see God did great things. It took some time, but God used Moses to deliver Israel from Egypt. God did something. God did something through him that we'll never stop talking about. Right. He could have stayed put and been wealthy and had his nice life, lived his best life now, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but no, he said, you know what? In faith, I'm dumping that because I know God has called me to something else. Um, and so for some of us, God will call us from something to something else. Some people get to be like Abraham. You get to walk with God and be wealthy at the same time. God bless y'all. You know, <laughs> so ain't mad at you, you know, um, but just be directed by the Lord and what it is that you do. Um, again, this system is, is, is moved by, driven by uh, wealth. And so we got to be weary of that, mindful of it. Uh, then it says this in verse five. And on her forehead, a name was written. And um, it's a terrible name. Mystery. Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. This is written on the forehead. Right. And so um, mystery, something previously hidden that was revealed. Um, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots. You're not just, uh, you know, everybody knows what a harlot is, someone that sells himself or um, illicit pleasure over the someone. You, you're the ultimate sellout of self. And so um, this person is the mother of harlots. This system, you're not just one of them. You are the mother of it all. You, you are where it all began. You're the mother of harlots. You are the, you are the system that breathes that sort of activity and behavior and of all the abominations of the earth, all the things of, I mean, everything wrapped up in this system, this Babylonian anti-God, politically broken, religiously flawed system. God says all the abominations of the earth flow out of you. Uh, there are many things in the scriptures that we know are an abomination to the Lord. God says all flows out of this system. Verse six says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And so um, this system is not neutral towards Christianity. Um, it says that this woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and of the martyrs of Jesus. And so any and this is where Christians have to, I feel like, have some grit when you see a system that's opposing Christianity, what should be your position on that? Can I be friend the system that's like that you're against? No, I, for, forgive the analogy, right? Anybody here used to gangbang? Anybody here used to gangbang? No. <laughs> Anthony used to gangbang? No. So if, 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 you, if someone gangbang, right? When I, I, back in the 80s, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that transpire and grow. If you were from like where I lived, it was, you know, we wore blue. That's where we were from. You couldn't change up, right? You couldn't, I couldn't leave my mom's house. When I went to my dad's house for the weekend, that was in Inglewood too, but it was in the red part of Inglewood. I didn't get to change up for the weekend. When I, my first few weekends at my dad's house, meeting all the young kids over there, and it was like, they're from Inglewood family, well, I'm from Watergate, and it was like, what we doing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't get to, I couldn't go to my dad's house and be like, can I leave all my blue clothes at mom's and wear red clothes at dad's? No, I'm on a team already. You know, I grew up with those guys, you know, so it was, I guess, knowing each other young enough, you know, it was always all good and all love and everything. But you couldn't change up. You couldn't switch teams. 
that would be the, the dumbest of things, right? I'm not, I'm not supporting gangbanging. It's stupid. But I think when Christians do it, how much more should my commitment to Christ be than, than to some gangbanger out there that's like, no, nah, I'm repping my blue and I'll fight for my blue, die for my blue. I'm representing Jesus. I can't be bending and folding when I move over here and it's like, I'm not going to bend and fold for you. This is everything to me. Everything to me. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus. That's my savior. He died for me. No one else did for me what he did for me. I don't love anybody more than I love him. No system, no group, no religion, no privilege, nothing. Him above everything else. And so when we step into places and it's like, man, that, that place is, they're opposed to what I believe as a Christian. I'm, I should stand my ground. Then maybe I can't be here. Maybe we can't, we can't be, I can't be a part of, of that thing. But don't fold. Don't yield. Don't give it over. I think that as believers that we have to be able to identify that we live in a fallen world. There are fallen systems all around us. And and, and in those fallen systems, they're not going to be friendly towards believers. At the end of the age, they're going to actually kill them. They might not be able to kill you today. We're not that far down the road, but they feel that way. As you look at some of the systems that are in place now and people that have agendas and they want to push things forward. You know who's in the way all the time? Us. People want to move forward. Let's just change the marriage. And what mar- No, Christians are the ones saying, no, marriage is a man and a woman. They sick of hearing that from us. But that's just, I mean, we don't get a new book. Amen. I'm <laughs> like, I just what it is. That's what a marriage is, a man. We're not going to redefine that for y'all. So we stand in the way. And so the groups that are like, man, we want to change that. They, they, they're going to end up opposing. And eventually it'll be aggressive. By the time we get here, that's why I'm, I'm glad that I'll be raptured. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be about it here. Um, but by this time, you know, they're going to be, saints are going to be dying for holding their ground. Um, there are groups that are like, look, let's just have unity uh, of interfaith, you know, gathering and pray. I can't be part of an interfaith. Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth and the light when there's no way to the father, but through him. I can't be at a gathering where you praying to the devil, you praying to the devil, you praying to the devil, and I'm joining you to pray to Jesus. That's We can't pray together. Y'all understand that? It's not being indifferent. It's just being real. We, we're not really, y'all aren't even praying. Y'all don't know it, but y'all are not even praying. Y'all can't reach heaven. If you're a Muslim and you're a Buddhist and you're a, a whatever, you know, y'all don't know God yet. I can't join hands with you guys and say kumbaya and, and take pictures. But because Christians feel that way, we believe that way. It's there's an exclusivity to what we believe. The world is bothered by that. And so more and more as we move toward the end of the age, there'll be persecution towards the Christian faith. So persecution is a good thing. Persecution always purifies the church. Um, There's a lot less fake believers when there's persecution. So people that's just faking it, a little persecution hit, they can go on home. They're not made for it. Um, persecution will purify the church. Uh, it, what's left will be pure and powerful. They're everywhere in the world where the church is persecuted is pure and powerful, but small, but pure and powerful. It's real. So as we move in this world and we interact with the things around us, I'm, I'm just exhorting us, encouraging us to, to stand strong in Christ. So we should read every day. We should pray. We should be in fellowship. We should walk with one another. We should strengthen each other um, because more and more, it will be a battle. There's a lot of things that will be against us and what we believe as you're trying to raise kids in this. Anybody that's got to deal with the public school system, you're going to be constantly fighting messages that your kids are being sent. You're like, that's not what we believe. Don't tell my kid that. Don't I don't want them to read that book. I don't I don't agree with that agenda or that perspective or whatever. It's going to be more and more and more 
as we move things forward, that these things will be happening in the world in which we live. And so now verse um, seven, it says, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? Because he marveled at this, the woman that was drunk with the blood of the saints. And so he said, why did you marvel? Why? He says, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, uh, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.